wrapping up this prayer, and he's like, oh, I just, I just wish you knew the love of Christ. And then he goes on to say, but you can't know it, but I want you to know it, but it's too big to know, but I really wish you could know it. And then he says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Those are some hefty words, wouldn't you agree? He's able to do more than all we can ask. And how many here can say, I've asked a lot of things in my lifetime. Paul says he can do more than you've asked, but then he goes farther than that and says more than you can even imagine. More than your mind can, can express uh, in request to God, he can do more than that. And then Paul adds a qualifier. You say, what? There's no qualifier on God. Oh, hold on. He says, according to his power that is at work within us. Hit your neighbor, say, at work. Actually, this is something better for you to say. Look him right in the eye and say, you've got it? Oh, you've got to say it more convincingly than that. Look at him in the eye and say, you've got it, now work it. You've got it, now work it. In Jesus' name, you can be seated. I want to talk about Jesus this morning. I thought that would be a good thing to do. But before we get to Jesus, uh, you'll know that we naturally have to talk about physics, right? Specifically, we're going to talk about energy. And in fourth or fifth grade, uh, if you remember back that far, you may have learned, at least that's when they teach it now, about two types of energy. Anybody remember two types of energy that we talk about early on in, in physics before there's a class that has the physics title? We learn about two specific types of energy. One of the types is... Uh, Potential energy. Everybody say potential. potential. It's just us. You're going to have to help me out this morning. Potential energy. Now, potential energy is energy that is stored, if you will. Energy that is a result of the position of an object. Potential energy. So, this is, as a good reference point, I didn't bring a picture. I hope you can just use your minds. Um, this is the... Roller coaster at the top of the hill. Potential energy. Because uh, in just another second, it's going to descend down the hill. And uh, all of that potential that it had at the top of the hill is going to come out. And when energy that has been stored is released, uh, the energy of motion we call, anybody remember? Good job, our college student on the front row. Kinetic energy. Kinetic energy is energy in motion. Active energy. Potential energy, we could say, is energy at rest. Kinetic energy is energy at work. You say, well, I don't have any energy when I go to work. Well, that's not what we're talking about. Potential energy and kinetic energy. Kinetic energy is, uh, is at its height, at the bottom of the hill that the roller coaster has just come down, right? Because uh, it is now at its top velocity, and it is moving fast, and you feel kinetic energy. You don't feel potential energy. 
It's stored. It's at rest. But something's going to happen. In fact, let's, let's look at it this way. I borrowed from the, uh, from the kids' class, because we have lots of fun there every week. This is a, a slingshot. It's a very colorful one, right? It's actually the colors of our church, right? Matches our shirts. This is a, a slingshot. And so when I do this, what is that, potential energy or kinetic energy? Potential energy. Hey, it's good to see your faces. All right, get some light. I like it. Potential energy right there because it's stored. You know and I know that the way this happens is something has to take place in order for potential to turn into kinetic, for what's at rest to to turn into uh, what's in motion. And uh, in this example, what do I have to do? Let go. I have to let it go. That's kinetic energy. Potential energy is when... I got lots of balls. When it's built up and you know that something can happen, but something else has to happen first. I have to let it go. Don't you wish somebody would have written a song, Let It Go? If you don't have kids, you might not know what I'm referring to, but in our house, we've been singing Let It Go since last Thanksgiving. <laughs> and for me to let it go, the energy that is stored all of a sudden is released. You say, well, what does that have to do with Jesus? Well, it has a lot to do with Jesus. But before we get to Jesus, let's talk about the Old Testament. The Bible tells us in 1 Kings, we're talking about potential energy, that God gave Samuel, I'm sorry, God gave Solomon wisdom. So God gave Solomon wisdom. And there Solomon is, laying on his bed at night, sitting on the throne during the day. Solomon's got wisdom. Well, what are you going to do with that wisdom, Solomon? That's potential energy. That's something that God has put down within you. That's that's a gift of God. Remember, because God said, Solomon, I'll give you anything you want. You can ask for riches. You can ask for land. You can ask for wealth. Solomon could ask for anything he wanted. And Solomon asked for wisdom. Which makes you wonder, he must have already been pretty wise. And God said, because you've asked for wisdom, and you've not asked for all those other things, you're going to get those other things too. And 1 Kings chapter 4 says, God gave Solomon wisdom. He fills Solomon up with wisdom. Now, what are you going to do with that? And we do read in Scripture that Solomon... Gets that potential energy and there's, there's chances and times where Solomon is allowed to release the energy. And it, and it goes forth from him. But we also know that he never allowed it to become as much as it could, right? Because the wisest man in Scripture, possibly the wisest apart from Jesus' man in the history of the world, 
married 700 women. And that is called flubbing it. 300 girlfriends on the side. Potential energy is energy of position. It's stored, but it doesn't do any good just being stored. It needs to be released. Maybe here's a better illustration. There's a girl in Scripture named Esther. And you probably know her as Queen Esther, but she wasn't always queen. She was a follow-up queen because the king didn't like his first queen. So he got rid of his first queen, and then he had this great idea and said, I want you to bring the beautiful, the most beautiful of the beautiful in and have the Miss Queen contest, and uh, I'll choose one. And Esther is beautiful enough that she gets in and she's got personality enough that she wins the favor of the pageant master. And before you know it, she's gone through all of the routine and she's caught his eye and she is the chosen one and she becomes queen. But there's something working against Esther and against all of her people. And it's the bad guy, the evil man who recommends that the king signs a a decree and he wants to exterminate the Jewish people, the Israelites. And so there's a showdown that's fixing to happen. And Esther has remained close to her uncle Mordecai. And as things get scarier and scarier, it becomes clear to Mordecai that there's only one hope for the Jewish people. And it's Esther the queen. I'm not going to take the time to tell the whole story, but I do want to focus in, in Esther, I believe it's chapter 4, that we get this conversation that takes place between Uncle Mordecai and his niece Esther. And in that he says, Esther, who knows? But that you have come to, and this is what the NIV says, catch it, you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Now remember, potential energy is energy of position. And he says, you've come to royal position for such a time as this. And Esther's response is, but if I use my position in the way that you say, it's very likely that I will get killed. And she has to consider this and she has to think about this. And finally she says, all right, uncle, I'm going to do it. And if I die, I die. But I can't live my life like this anymore. I have to let it go. Potential energy. I want you to think of it this way. It's the the gift that God... In fact, the Bible doesn't say that unto every man God has given a measure of faith. There's something inside of you. There's a spark. There's a hope. there's, There's life that He's placed inside of us. And there has to be something that happens to allow it to become more than just potential inside of us. 
It has to be released. There has to be some catalyst. There has to be some action that takes it from potential to expressed or to active or to kinetic energy. Think of it this way. Abram receives a promise. Genesis chapter 12, God comes to Abram and says, uh, I like you, and if you'll, if you'll leave your country, if you'll leave your kinfolk, if you'll go to a land that I'll show you, I'll give you descendants as, much, as, as many as the sands in the sea and the stars in the sky. I'll give you wealth. I'll give you, I'll give you everything that you ever dreamed you could have. And he says this to an old man who doesn't have any kids. But yet, all Abram has known is the place where he lives and the people he's around. But God makes a promise. Let's call the promise potential energy. The promise of God. And it gets planted in Abraham's mind, his ears, his heart. But it's not good enough just for a potential promise, just for potential energy. But we get to verse 4. And some have said these are the most revolutionary words in history because it changed the way we think of history. And the three words are, so Abram went. He has a potential, a promise within him, but there's something required for the promise to become fruitful, to become real in his life, he has to step outside of what he's used to and he has to go to where God's calling him. And potential energy becomes kinetic at the very moment Abraham says, saddle up, we're leaving town. That's one more, one more. Peter and the, uh, the disciples are in a boat and the storm's raging. And they look out on the water And the Bible says, Scripture tells us, that Jesus was about to pass them by. And to some of us, we read that and say, well, Jesus was just going to walk on by. That's what that means. But if you've paid attention reading the Old Testament stories, you know that when God wanted to pass by, that means God wanted to reveal His glory. And Jesus was about to pass by. Jesus is walking by, and He's got... All of the the Godhead, we read, in His body. He's got all of the power of the eternal creative God within Him. And He's about to pass by them. He wants to show them that glory. And the disciples look and they get afraid because they think it's a ghost. And Jesus has to say, it's not a ghost, it's me. It's me, don't be afraid. And at that moment, it's the, it's the prime opportunity for something to happen. And you would think the, exci- the, the, the disciples would get so excited and be so ready for something great to happen, but they're still scared out of their minds except for Peter. Because Peter is too stupid to be scared. Because Peter's always thinking about what, 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 how, can, how can we work this? And sometimes the Peters among us, uh, the, the, the disciples that are so anxious and so ready to move, sometimes they drive you crazy. And then sometimes they lead the charge. And Peter says, if it's you, then you call me out. And Jesus says, 
Come on. Potential energy he was about to pass them by, but God is not going to force himself on you. And Peter says, I want to do that. I don't think there was any, I don't know if there was any spiritual significance at all to what Peter did, except he wanted to walk on water and go to Jesus. And sometimes it doesn't take all the theology and all the the prayer and all. Sometimes it just takes a person or a group of people. Maybe Life Church, we could strive to be a group of people. We don't have all of the answers, but what we do have is the desire to see something happen and to be with Jesus. And Peter steps out of the boat and starts walking on the water, potential energy, the promise of God's glory being revealed. Peter, only one person, walked on water and went to Jesus. But there were at least 11 in the boat. And I believe with all my heart that they could have. They just didn't want to. Potential energy. They were okay living life like this. But if you're honest, after a while, this stinks. This this drives you crazy to live life like this. Let's um let's fast forward. A few weeks ago we started this series by uh reading Acts chapter 1 verse 8 in which Jesus looks at the disciples and says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power. We said that's the word, the Greek word dunamis, which we get our word dynamite from. Isn't that an interesting promise? He looks at his disciples and says, you will receive dynamite when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power. You know what that is? That's this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's potential energy but Jesus didn't stop there right had he stopped there we'd be like okay sounds cool and there's a lot of places that teach that you'll receive power but then the power the only thing the power is good for is it it punches your ticket to heaven but that's not what Jesus said he didn't say you'll receive the power of the Holy Spirit coming on you and then you can cruise on in because you've got it made. Your ticket's punched. That's not what he said. He said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. That's kinetic energy. The power of the Holy Ghost coming on us so that we can be witnesses. That's the active expression. That's the energy of motion. Think of it this way. You've got a match. I thought about using it, and then I thought, well, we're in a rented building. We probably don't need open flames in the schoolhouse. However, you get one of those big boxes of matches that's got the, the big side. You can rip it down the whole side. The match. Is that potential energy or kinetic energy? Potential. Everything that you want is inside the head of that match. But something has to happen in order for it to come alive, to come out. And you and I both know that you can stand in front of a grill all day long, sticking the match in the charcoal. 
And nothing is going to transpire to help you get your hamburger. You have got to take the match and you've got to strike it on the side. And as you strike it, and here's, here's, where, it gets, here's where it gets heavy. Because you don't ever release potential energy and it become kinetic energy without some kind of friction. Some kind of action which usually isn't comfortable. To do the match against it, I'm sure the match, if it had feelings, wouldn't be feeling real good as you pushed. Because you and I both know that if you just barely do it, it doesn't happen. You're like, ah, what's wrong with this? What's wrong? And sometimes you just got to put your thumb against it at risk of burning your thumb to push it hard. You know that the only way that you're going to get from the top of the hill to the bottom of the hill is something has to push you. You will receive the power of the Holy Ghost coming on you and you will be my witnesses. Now we can't go into all the ways, but just read a few chapters into Acts and you'll realize that they received the power and they were witnesses, but then they got a little comfortable and the power started building up in them and God had to push them out of Jerusalem into Samaria. But we don't want to go to Samaria. Into or Judea, and then Samaria, and then he says the ends of the earth. That's all those Gentiles, and nobody thinks Gentiles deserve, but God's going to push Peter into Cornelius' house. Potential energy, kinetic energy. Let's look at one more scripture to try to, try to help us all bring this. This is Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. And you don't have to read it with me, but we'll read it together, or I'll read it for you. For it is God who works in you. Everybody say, He works in me. You've got it. You've got to work it. All right. God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And actually, some other translations get that word. Purpose is kind of ah, the purpose-driven life. And purpose is a good word, but that's not really what this word means. Other translations get it better. They say, for his good pleasure. Or we could even say, for God's delight. So Paul says, it's God who works in you to will and to act. And works and act are the same Greek word. So God who works in you to will and to work in order to fulfill His good pleasure or His delight. So God, Paul's saying there's something that God really likes to do. He said, well, what is it, Paul? I want to know. What do, what do you really like to do, God? And God says, here's what I really like to do. I really like to work in you. To will and to work out uh, the things that I want. That's what makes me happy. Now, I don't know about you, but when God puts in his word something that makes him happy, we should hone in on that and say, all right, I want to be there. I want that. I want, if there's one thing I want to do, because we've all been on the other side, right? The other side of the coin where we did something that made God not so happy. Right? And we all participated in that enough that it took the death of Jesus Christ on a cross to get rid of those things. Amen? Amen. And we now stand on the other side of the cross 
realizing that all of those things we did can be covered by the blood of Christ, but we're not left just laying down, waiting for His return. He now wants to do good things through us. Paul says, He wants to do something in you. And this takes us back to Ephesians 3.20. He's able, everybody say able, He's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. He's able. He has that ability. Is that potential energy or kinetic energy? Not your potential. Ability to do something is potential energy, but the ability to do it does not always imply the doing of it. Amen? Right? That's what's frustrating to you parents, right? When your kids are in school. I know you can score well on the math test. If you will study and you'll apply yourself and then you come home with a 73. I know you've got the ability, but the ability doesn't always mean it happens. God is able to do immeasurably more. There's this storehouse of potential that God has, that I would say, Paul is saying, God wants to release. However, it all works in harmony with the power that is at work within you. At work, that's kinetic. The potential of God is based The expression of it is based on how active we decide to be. Now let's talk about Jesus. Jesus goes to his hometown, you remember? He goes to his hometown and he reads the words of the Scriptures. And he says, this this Scripture is about me and it's fulfilled today in your hearing. And the first response of the audience is they're amazed. Ah, potential energy. They're amazed. That he can read, that he's there, that he's so young, that he has such a command. Even 18 years earlier, at age 12, he was, he was in such command of the Scriptures and he knew so much and he had such wisdom and now he's there and, whoa, it's kind of like there's just this collective, wow. But, the ability to see doesn't always imply that you'll really see, and the Bible says, that then they began thinking, well, wait a minute. That's, that's pretty amazing, but I know, his, I know his folks. I know Joe and Mary, and we used to hang out, and this is, this is Joe's boy. Joe's dead now, but he's just, he's just a carpenter like his daddy, and, who, and all of a sudden, all that energy that was built up, all of that amazement, all of that, can we just call it what it is, all of that faith kind of just, dissipates. And some of the saddest words in Scripture come right after that. And you remember? It says, He could do no miracles there. Matthew chapter 13. He could do no miracles there because, why was it? Their lack of faith. Mark writes about it and even says this, says, He was amazed at their lack of faith. They were amazed at what he was saying, and then 
they rationalized it away. And the amazement switched from them to Jesus because Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. Wasted energy. But that's a bad example. Let's talk about a good example. You remember when Jesus is is working with people and helping people and a centurion, not even a Jew, a centurion, a Roman centurion comes up to him and says, Jesus, I've got a servant. I depend on him for a lot. He's sick. He's at the point of death. I ask that you would heal him. And Jesus says, let's go to your house. I'll touch him and I'll heal him. I'd be glad to. Jesus has this this way of knowing who he's dealing with, right? He has this way of knowing that there's faith in this man. But what happens next even blows Jesus away because the centurion says, wait, wait, wait. I'm not going to bother you. I'm not asking you to go. I know how authority works, and I believe you have authority. And when I exercise my authority, I just have to speak, and what's done is done. So I'm not asking you to come to my house. I'm not trying to interrupt your schedule. All I'm asking is that you would just say the word, I believe he'll be healed. And Jesus says, wow! Right? He says, I haven't found faith like this in all the people I've been preaching and teaching to. I've not found faith like this. I've not found potential energy built up like this in any of these other people that have spent so much time with me. And so he says, uh, it's done because of your faith. And the Bible tells us that they came and reported to him. It was at that very moment that miles away, the servant was healed immediately. His life was changed. Oh, it gets better than that. It gets better than that. Jesus is walking down the road, you remember? And he's going to the home of a guy that whose daughter is, 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 well, we find out later, she's dead. He's going to heal her, and as he walks down the road, there's a crowd of people walking with him, and they're packing in, and the Bible says that there's one woman who's been hemorrhaging. If you grew up in the, in the old church, you probably know her as the woman with the issue of blood. For 12 years she's been bleeding and she's tried every doctor and she's tried every medicine and she's spent all of her money and she hasn't gotten any better. And so she is making her way and we imagine a lot of times she's on her knees crawling because she says, the Bible tells us, she says within herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. And we find out if you study it that it's very likely that She got that kind of faith. Where do you get that kind of faith? She got it from the Scriptures. Because uh, in the prophets, uh, it was prophesied that Messiah, when He comes, there will be healing in His wings. You remember maybe an old song or old poem, healing in His wings. Well, But that sounds weird, right? Because Jesus wasn't an eagle. Jesus wasn't a bird. What does it mean to have healing in your wings? Well, a lot of times the tassels that hung from the robe, those were referred to as the wings. And so it's very likely that this woman, because of her training in the Scriptures, because she grabbed onto a promise and said, if He's really the Messiah, I'll just have to touch the tassel at the bottom of His robe and I'll be healed because the prophecy was there will be healing in His wings in his 
tassels. And so she crawls, not trying to touch Jesus' hand or get him to hug her. He just, she just wants to touch the bottom of his robe because she has faith. I believe he's the Messiah. And if he's the Messiah, there's healing in his tassels. And she makes her way somehow, some way, makes her way through this crowd of people and reaches out and touches. And at the very moment that she touched the tassel of his robe, the Bible says she was completely made whole. Can you imagine? Twelve years. If you're like me, twelve minutes of agony is a long time. Twelve days, twelve weeks, twelve months for us to endure something. And we're asking God, just go ahead and kill us. Twelve years. And in one moment of faith, she is made whole. And in one of my favorite favorite portions of Scripture, Jesus turns and says, whoa, wait a minute. I believe Jesus was genuinely surprised. It's hard for us to believe that because we know He's fully God, but if He's fully man, we've got to think, well, wait a minute. What kind of fully man, what kind of fully human isn't ever surprised? I think Jesus was legitimately surprised. He wasn't expecting. He, was, he had his mind and his heart set on healing Jairus' daughter, and here comes somebody who wasn't invited to the party. But she's full of faith, and she reaches out and touches, and he turns around and he says, whoa, wait a minute. Somebody touched me. And the disciples say, what do you mean? There's lots of people touching you. He says, no, somebody really touched me. Now, what's the difference in grabbing onto the tassel as you reach out, just saddened and, and made desperate by 12 years of suffering, and people just bumping along trying to get Jesus' autograph and trying to just be in, in the picture with him? What's, what's the difference there? And Jesus, the best way I've heard it described, Jesus is walking down the road, and it's as if God is saying, I'm able, I'm able, I'm able, I'm able. But nobody is taking advantage of all of the potential that's stored up in Jesus until one woman decides, I believe He can help. Me and she reaches out and touches, and all of a sudden, it's not I'm able, I'm able, I'm able anymore. It's I will, I have, I have, I have. And Jesus turns around and says, Whoa, wait a minute. Peter says, uh, Lots of the disciples say, Well, everybody's touching, everybody's crowding you. He says, Nobody, no, no, somebody touched me because I felt virtue flow out of me. Where'd that come from? It was always there. It just took somebody reaching out in faith. It took potential becoming kinetic and the catalyst for God's ability to become reality in your life. Write it down. It's faith, faith, faith. And that's why sometimes I look back and I think some... Some interesting thoughts about my Bible school training, but one thing that they taught me that I've never forgotten, and it was early on in, in uh, soteriology and salvation class, uh, my instructor got up uh, one of the first days in class and he said, faith and obedience are doctrinally synonymous. What that means is, faith isn't faith unless there's obedience working with it. Faith isn't just that we believe something about God. Faith is that we obey what He's told us to do. That's faith. 
mental assent does not qualify for scriptural faith. For Abram to sit back and say, well, that's a pretty good promise you made, God. Thanks for making that for me. That's not faith. James even tells us, right, that Abraham was justified. He was made right with God by what he did. And so James says, so faith without works is Deader than a doornail. Faith, I got faith, I believe Jesus. Well, what are you going to do about that? And so, let's bring it all the way back now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. Paul tells Timothy, I, I know you've got the gift. Isn't that interesting? Paul says, I know you've got the gift. How do you know, Paul? Because I put it in you. Paul has this understanding Right? That when he lays hands on people, he is being so used by God. In fact, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 29, Paul says, I've got his energy within me. I struggle with all his energy to do his work. I've got the energy. And so Paul says, I put it in you when I laid hands on you. I know it's in there. Now you've got to stir it up. You've got to fan it in a flame. You've got to get it going. And I've come on Sunday Toward the end of June in 2014 to tell you, I know it's in you. I know it's in you because God himself put it there. Now what are you going to do about it? Paul says the ability of God doesn't mean he's going to do it. It's all according to the power that is at work within you. Stand up on your feet, look at your neighbor, say, you've got it. Now work it. That's not good enough. Look at them and say, you've got it. Now work it. What are you going to do with what he's given? Life Church, what are we going to do? I'm telling you, there's enough faith uh, at least there's enough belief in this room that we could turn North Knoxville upside down for the glory of God, but we have to decide we're going to do something with it. A match isn't uh, uh, used for all its potential until it's struck and catches on fire. You might remember the old poem, A Bell's Not a Bell Till You Ring It. A song's not a song till you sing it. The love in your heart wasn't put there to stay because love isn't love till you give it away. What are you going to do with what God's put inside of you? Life Church, we can go on indefinitely doing what we've been doing or we can take the challenge of this series to really catch on fire Old-time gospel song said, I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire. What if we decided to catch on fire and to really burn with the blaze of what God wants to do within us? I'm telling you, there's potential energy all over this room. There's potential energy all over this room. The gift of God within you. What you going to do with it? One more time, tell your neighbor you got it. Now work it. 
I want to pray for you right now. In Jesus' name, Father, I ask. It's just us today, God, so I ask that the potential that you've placed within us would not just remain there. And God, I say that realizing that it's very likely that that request is really for friction. For conflict, because it's in conflict and friction that, that what's inside really can come out. But Lord, like the match struck on the side of the box, Lord, I pray that you would take us and set us on fire so that we can burn for you. We need your presence, yes, Lord. And we need your promise, yes, Lord. What we need most is for your power to be at work within us. And so often, God, it's not anybody else. It's just me, God, that keeps it from working. God, we need a catalyst of faith and obedience to just bring out all of the energy that's stored up within us, all of the spiritual vitality that's at rest right now. We need it at work in our lives. So God, would you please, please, please set this church on fire. Set these people on fire so that we be the active expression of your love and your hope and your promises to the community all around North Knoxville and Fountain City. God, that's our prayer today. And God, I pray that somebody's heart has been ignited. Lord, even if there's just one or two people that say, you know what, I'm tired of being at rest. I want to be in motion. God, that will be enough to transform this entire congregation. I thank you for where we've come, but Lord, I thank you more for where we've come. And I pray over every person, every man, woman, boy, and girl, and I pray your power at work within us in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Would everybody say amen?